What we have really tried to do over the past number of years is at a fundamental level, understand how each group works so that when we're designing workplace strategies or when we're designing offices or when we're thinking about new technologies to deploy, that we have at least a, a, some base level understanding of what those teams do. This episode, I talked to Samir Pandrakar, who's the Senior Director of Workplace Technology at Twitter. Well, Twitter's big, and as you might imagine, they've learned a thing or two over the last couple of years. Samir and I talked about what happens when companies design their workplace strategy around people instead of just the bricks and buildings themselves. And I'll tell you what, their advice, you don't have to be in the Fortune 500 to follow. If you're curious how a company the size of Twitter thinks about the future of workplaces, you'll like this one. How exactly did you end up in your current role at Twitter? I currently lead three verticals within our global real estate and workplace team. Workplace strategy, which is all the work we do around workplace experience, which for Twitter is whether you work in an office, work from home, or work from both. Um, which is kind of the hybrid world many of us are getting used to. Design and construction is the group that facilitates building all of our offices. And audiovisual is audiovisual, a lot of the conference room technologies, but we're really expanding beyond that. So, you know, I took a non-traditional career path to this role. Um, I went to school for electrical engineering, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo here in California. And uh, I studied, you know, designing buildings. And so my first couple of jobs out of college were to design different types of spaces. So I started first uh, designing healthcare buildings, so hospitals and office buildings, and then transitioned to another company where I did everything except for hospitals, so sports stadiums, high-rise buildings. But coincidentally enough, my first day on that job, I got put on the uh, San Francisco project for Twitter, 1355 Market, and so got exposed to their real estate work team. Uh, real estate and workplace team, their design and construction team. And as I got to interact with them more and more, I got to learn about Twitter as a company and the culture, but I, I just fell in love. And I fell in love because of the culture, but also because of the unique role that an owner's rep plays in you know designing and building these offices. And so I was lucky enough that they had a position opened up, applied, and uh, started off as kind of a small project manager and have been able to, to work my way um, into an expanded role almost eight years ago now. One of the things that we've talked about with a few of our guests so far is the emergence of really the word workplace as a central theme inside of these facilities, these real estate teams, and then the broader organization. Um, when did you first start noticing workplace and workplace strategy uh, as uh, words that, that showed up in your, your line of work? I'd say it's been a few years of of kind of it becoming as um, prevalent and well-known as it has become, especially over the last two or three years. But workplace strategy has always existed. And it's existed for us in a different form and really as part of our design and construction group. So as Twitter, like many companies, was a little bit more office-centric than we're going to be in the future, when we designed and built space, we were thinking about the strategies of how that space was used throughout the design process. And so when we partnered with external design companies, um, more often than not inherently, those teams had workplace strategists and others that helped facilitate the design of understanding of how you're going to use your office space. I think for Twitter, we've we've always had the, the, 
mindset of thinking about how workplace should be used and a strategy on how to use it, but it focused on office. As we even pre-pandemic started to expand our ability and our desire to not be office centric and hire more folks that work full-time work from home or in different locations, we started to transition and recognize that we need a group and a function that thinks beyond just the office. And so that's why our workplace strategy function thinks about the work from home experience, the work from office experience, and the work from both experience, again, the hybrid experience, and how they interconnect and not just thinking of them in silos. Because if you're working in from the from the office, you're going to interact, at least at Twitter, with someone that's worked from home and probably many other companies. And so you have to have this holistic thinking, and we want to have it internally to make sure we're driving a positive workplace experience for our employees. How would you describe to somebody who is completely unfamiliar with your role, what work, what Twitter's workplace strategy is? I think our workplace strategy is focused on providing great experiences for our employees to work wherever they choose and however they choose. And so that's a really broad term, but it encompasses so many different aspects of the um, workplace experience and working experience, right? So it's not all um, under real estate and workplace, right? But we partner closely with so many other teams to think about that end-to-end employee experience from the second they get their laptop to getting set up at home to coming to an office, um, how they use the office, how they book space, how they collaborate with others, how they socialize with others, what are the experiences within the office we provide. So it's this really end-to-end mindset of, hey, we want people to have a really great time working at Twitter. We want them to hashtag love where they work. Um, if, if you are on Twitter and you click on that kind of hashtag, you'll see people talk about this. And so our mission is to enable that. And so it's not any one specific thing, but it's this broad category of how can we have a positive impact. Now, a lot of it is focused uh, you know, within the office, but very recently we've expanded our thinking to think about the work from home experience because so many of our people beyond just those that are full-time work from home. But, you know, uh, gone are the days where I'm necessarily always going to be in the office the same time as my teammates. And so, you know, even if our t- even if me and my teammate live in the same city, I may go into the office a different day. And so that very naturally is going to need to have great experience when I'm working from home and my teammates in the office and how we can, you know, work together, but also socialize together and, and different ways of make- enabling that. How do you think about the global reach of of the offices that you have to support for you because you are all over the world and I got to imagine that that's got to make some challenges for a, a team like yours to coordinate and make the workplace feel consistent. Yeah, what what we've done again over the past number of years that I think we've been really successful at Twitter with our real estate and workplace team and our approach is that it's not up to any one individual within our team. What we've done a really good job is embedding that our entire real estate and workplace team across the many functions that we have are responsible for the workplace experience. And so we, when we think about our different offices and our different uh, approaches, we definitely have kind of global guidelines that we want to follow and how we approach it. But we also are very mindful and very strategic and thoughtful about being local, locally centric, because we know what works in one location may not work in another, uh, both from a design perspective, uh, materials you use, 
um, vendors you maybe work with. And so we make sure that we're not, you know, trying to be too prescriptive and allow that flexibility and adaptability at the local level. And so we leverage and we partner with other functions within REW, real estate and workplace, one of them being our global operations team, which is really uh, the most global team and most diverse team of us all. They have people, we have people all over the world. And so they are really at the forefront uh, of enabling us to understand the different cultures, the different perspective, the different business units operating across all of these um, entities and regions. And so we partner very closely with them to make sure anything we're doing isn't done in a silo and that can actually be successful in that local market. Let's let's do this. If I gave you a time machine and let's say you get you get to go back pre-pandemic and talk to yourself and give yourself some advice um and it can't just be buy bitcoin because that's the that's the <laughs> you know free free space here. Um what what advice would you give yourself pre-pandemic? I think it would be that continue to maintain flexibility and adaptability. Um which is something I think we've done a good job of, but I think in the pandemic, we've had to be so much more flexible and adaptable. So uh, uh, I'll give an example. You know, uh, this summer, we uh, opened our San Francisco and New York offices, at least in the United States. We had opened a few internationally. We had to close them for government regulations in those countries. Uh, within the United States, we were open for about a few weeks, and then we had to close uh, because of the Delta variant. And so I think um, throughout this whole endeavor, it's really staying focused on that approach because at any moment in time, you could think things are going well, we're going to do this. And of course, things change in an instant. And not just with the pandemic and everything you do, especially in a space uh, that we're in, uh, the workplace is evolving at such a rapid pace along with uh, technology innovation for our space has become even more exponentially changing that I think staying flexible and adaptable is critically important. And so now as we think about reopening some of our offices, we're taking that mindset, right? How can we make sure that when we open, again, barring anything, hopefully, mm-hmm. Uh, really bad that we can stay open because it it takes a lot of, it it has a big impact to our employees when we open and close. I would also say that extends as far as to, you know, when the pandemic started, we didn't all of a sudden say, okay, now we're going to physically modify all of our offices and invest all this money. We wanted to be really thoughtful and patient and really see how things start to develop so that we can maintain that flexibility and adaptability. With the pandemic now, let's say two years, just about. Have you seen the expectations of your employees shift about what sort of office they actually want reopened? Pre-pandemic, but throughout the pandemic, we have been spending a lot of time thinking about what we want to at least start our offices to look like and how they will be used based on a number of conversations we had both internally with uh, you know different user groups and different functional leads, but also with external folks, um, you know, seeing where the trends are going. But again, I say that we have an idea of where we want to start. We're not set in stone. We're going to be flexible. We're going to test, learn, and iterate because I think that's what our employees want to see. They want to see that we're being bold and trying 
new things, but also that we're not so set in stone that, you know, it's kind of a set it and forget it. Just honestly, like our product itself, our product isn't static in nature. It's constantly evolving and changing to meet our customers' needs, uh, those, those Twitter users. And so we need to do the same with our employees, making sure they know that we are committed to that kind of um, mindset of evolving as we need to, to make sure they can do the best work they can. That seems like it's going to be the big make or break for a lot of companies, being able to really figure that out and make sure that the people that they have are actually able to do that work together. I don't know that anybody's cracked it yet, but hey, you know, jury's still out and we'll, we'll get a lot more proof points, I think, in the coming months as people actually start to, to really uh, roll back into the office. The nature of hybrid work has been around for a long time. Yes. I think what we're finding is it's the scale of the hybrid for companies that's going to be the challenge. But I think, you know, what we're doing at Twitter is we're really leaving that choice and flexibility to the individual. And I think what we will see, and again, this is, I think, a giant experiment for society, is teams and groups will naturally figure out an overarching cadence that works for them. You know, me and my team or me and my uh, friends at Twitter will probably over time, develop some sort of habit on, hey, let's come in ever so often. But again, I think that's naturally going to form versus us saying, okay, these teams have to come in Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or, or, or whatnot. And so, you know, I think that to your point, next year will be a, a transition year. And I think, you know, assuming hopefully things subside with the pandemic here soon, 2023 will be a really interesting year to see how people have developed those new habits and patterns. At your scale, how do you take feedback about the workplace team successfully? Leveraging our folks that are distributed around the world, our workplace operations who are you know, on the front lines and interacting with our employees daily, we get feedback through them. Um, we also proactively reach out and try to understand what's working well and what's not um, via a few different mechanisms, whether that's you know company-wide surveys, whether that's individual office surveys or a location survey, or whether that's focus groups. What we have really tried to do over the past number of years is at a fundamental level, understand how each group works and what they do so that when we're designing workplace strategies or when we're designing offices or when we're thinking about new technologies to deploy, that we have at least a, a, some base level understanding of what those teams do. Am I, am I an expert engineering in engineering? Absolutely not. But I have some base level understanding of what goes into the work they do to then inform what we can have as a starting point. But again, it's that constant feedback loop. So yeah, we get a lot of information in it and it's great. And I think where we're successful is it's not all coming to one person. It's coming to many different people. And through that, we can identify themes. We can identify common pinch points that either happen in certain regions or around the world. I'll give an example. Around the world, we've we've heard that, you know, we used to be assigned desking and you know, the challenges of having assigned desking based on your function and, you know, you're trying to do focus work and the people next to you are talking just doesn't work well. And we heard that consistently around the world, either through kind of workplace tickets where people would bring this up or again, through focus groups. And so I think it's things like that. But then also locally, we find out things and enabling our, our teams to make changes and not being so prescribed that it has to come back to one person to approve something that we enable that experimentation and that evolution out all over the world. Tactically though, how, how would a tweep raise their hand and say, I have a point of view about the workplace or I have an idea 
about the workplace? Do you have like hotlines? Is there a <laughs> talk to your manager? I, they call your personal cell phone. I'm assuming yeah. Samir, like obviously. They tweet at me. Come on, no. Oh, um, oh, of course. But surely, surely the well, I guess there is no character limit anymore, is there? Yeah. Okay, you got me on that. 280. 280. Okay. So we keep it short. Um, no, I think this is where the operations team and being distributed. And, you know, if I'm an employee, for example, in Chicago, I know who my office manager is. And if I have a problem with the Chicago office, I could go to them. And then of course that gets shared out if it's something, you know, that needs to be. And it's not just operations. We have folks that um, handle on-site food and events. They're distributed around the world. We have project managers distributed around the world, our leasing and planning team distributed around the world. And so people naturally know that REW is very open and wants the feedback. And so all of our employees, whether they're working directly on you know, workplace strategy, are ambassadors for REW, real estate and workplace, to get that feedback. Do you have a roadmap for your workplace? We absolutely have a roadmap. We don't try to get too far ahead of ourselves, again, because things are changing so rapidly and we don't know what next week, next year will look like. But we definitely have focus areas and things we want to achieve. And our number one goal right now as a as an overall team, not even just workplace strategy, is safely reopening our offices. And then from there, we'll, we'll kind of see how things are going and, and continue to layer in some of the things we want to test and experiment and learn from over time. You are probably one of the most prominent examples of actually your team rolling up to the people operations or people team. And I think that that speaks a lot to how you view the role of the workplace. But I'm curious, how did that happen? Yeah, um, we are uh, part of the people organization. And so our VP of real estate and workplace reports to our head of people um, who reports to our CEO. The transition happened a couple of years ago. Uh, again, pre-pandemic, everything happened to align right before the pandemic. And it's been great for us uh, because of the synergies allowed for. But in our goal to really um, enable more full-time work from home and our ambitions to become more distributed as a company, we felt like there were so many great synergies in what the people team does and what the real estate and workplace team provides that being part of one organization will help amplify all of our combined efforts and goals. Now, we were part of the finance organization before. We had great relationships with the people team. And I think that's part of why folks recognize that, hey, they already have great relationships. If we can put them together, we can amplify that even further. Um, we still maintain great relationships with finance, the group we were part of, and all of our core partners. And I think that's what's more important is that you have to have the relationships built across the organization to ensure that you're successful because the people team as an organization, you know, we have a lot of goals, but those are reliant on our partnerships with other functions. IT is a great example. We have to partner very closely with them because laptops and other things that IT provide are core to the, the people experience and the workplace experience. And so it's great for us that we're part of the people team. It allows us to focus on those combine strategic goals and amplify our strengths. But more importantly, it's the relationships across the organization, no matter where you sit, that are critical to enabling your success. One of the things that struck me, though, was your IT department is separate from the organization that you just described. And I guess to, to some folks, you might look at that and say, 
well, gosh, like, how do you draw the line between AV and IT, even if you are partnering closely? Earlier this year, the audiovisual group transitioned from IT over to real estate and workplace. And thinking about the synergies, especially in this evolving world of how people work and where they work, we felt like there was an opportunity to amplify the work that we can collectively do when we think about the employee experience, you know, whether they're work from office or work from home. And so when that transition happened, we really started to think beyond just traditional AV as well. We're thinking more so about workplace technologies and what are those different technologies that employees need in order to do their work. Now, again, we still partner very, very closely with IT um, because we have to be um, connected with them because of all the great work they do to enable our employees to work and give them the physical tools. And so those partnerships are still really important. And I think we're really excited about how we can expand AV to think beyond just traditional, you know, maybe conference room technologies, but think about other things such as collaboration technologies. How can we better understand how space is used? What are the things we can provide our employees to interact with each other in a more um, seamless manner? And so um, our relationship and our partnership with IT won't change, but I think our synergies with having kind of the, the core AV function within workplace, real estate and workplace will be great. What has you excited in that arena? What what tech are you interested to see unfold over the next couple of years? When I think about the tools that we can provide employees to work together, and so there's a number of different technologies that are interesting. How people can collaborate across different locations and different time zones. Um, whether that's so like again digital whiteboard type stuff or so yeah, know. it could be digital whiteboard. It could be, you know, AR VR, which is a very um, hot topic uh, of very recent tenure. Um, yeah, but shut also, down your office now, Sumer. You should yeah. just move everything into the metaverse. But also like how can technologies enable async collaboration, which yes. is another way in which people across time zones and regions can collaborate. Accessibility is a huge focus for us. I don't think I fully appreciated the challenges that some folks were facing when we were using different VC technologies that didn't have captioning or translation or things like that. And so I think it's just the combined pace of all of this to allow employees of different backgrounds and lifestyles equitably participate in in the workplace. Okay. So my understanding is you've actually valued accessibility in that digital equity so much that you've actually made some hires around this recently. We have a a person that leads overall accessibility almost as a center of excellence. And so the role that they play is actually not just related to the workplace, but they consult with others across the business on how to embed accessibility into everything we do as a company. We partner very closely with uh, that team to think beyond just traditional accessibility and think about how we can ensure every employee has an equitable experience, both in the physical world, but also in the technologies that we deploy as a company, whether it's captioning, translations, other sorts of tools that enable employees to to participate equitably is is very important to us and across medium. So when someone's in the office and someone's at home and and maybe someone has a, a unique need, how can we allow them to collaborate and participate equitably? So it's definitely a big focus area for our real estate and workplace team. And as a company, it's, it's very important to us. What sort of roles are, are key to think about as I'm navigating the next couple of years, you mentioned accessibility, but are there other roles that you're starting to hire for the first time? I think it comes back to first defining what our workplace is 
um, where we'll have people working. And so it'll it'll be different for different companies, right? For example, some companies are all remote. It'll be a little different. If some companies are more office-based, it'll be different. But I think what you definitely want to have is someone that's thinking through that um, within your organization. Doesn't always have to be a massive team because there are opportunities to leverage external partners in that work. But I think I would definitely suggest that once you know what kind of workplace environment you're providing for your employees and where all you're going to be located and how you're going to be located, you need someone internally that can almost be representing that work. So someone thinking about the workplace experience, what that means for your company, having those conversations with different business units and leaders, but also building the program, enabling the program, capturing feedback on the program. Again, you can call them workplace strategists. You can call them experience you know, operations for us is is beyond just the core operations of running a building. They are cultural liaisons, right, for everything that we do as a company. And so those roles are super important for our team based on how we're set up. We have a, a, a team that does leasing and planning internally because office space is important to us. We have a small team that focuses on that. So I think it's dependent on how your company is set up, what your company is focused on, but definitely some of those roles I think are key. Inevitably, you're going to have to get some buy-in from senior leadership. And so how has that process been for you? What's the guidance and support that you see from your leadership? We've had an incredibly visionary CEO and C-suite in this area. Pre-pandemic, our CEO came out and said, you know, we want to hire in more locations. We want to become more distributed to represent the platform that we are. We want to enable more full-time work from home. And so with that overall vision, we've been able to then distill that down and create a program that we're excited about. But it hasn't been without a lot of conversations with various business leads, other members of our C-suite, tweeps around the world. There, I said it for the first time, tweeps around the world. Um, and understanding how we translate that vision into something that is tangible and usable and relatable to the employees such that they understand what that means when they go to the office, when they work from home, um, or when they're splitting time between the two. So you've gotten a lot right. What didn't go so well? I don't know if we're right yet. I think we we have a lot of great ideas we want to test, right? And unfortunately, because offices aren't open, we haven't been able to test certain aspects of what we're thinking about for the office. For other things such as work from home experience, we've been successful in some things and some things haven't gone well and we've taken that feedback. What we learned is around flexibility and adaptability and talking again about opening our offices and closing our offices. That's a real disruptive endeavor for the company because of just, you know, employees getting excited and then closing um, the work that goes into it. And so I think that's one area, again, as we look to reopen some of our offices towards the end of this year, going into next year, that we will be, I think, more thoughtful about in ensuring that when we open, again, barring anything really bad, that we can stay open and really modify how we approach keeping the offices open to, again, keep employees safe, but enable that ability for them to, to come in. I suspect that you are not alone in, in having an employee base that just went through an emotional roller coaster of, we're going back, we're not going back, wait another month. And at a certain point, I'd imagine that gets frustrating. And look, I think even for those that maybe aren't going into the offices, the signal of an office opening provides hope for everyone because it's a signal that, hey, maybe things are getting better with the pandemic. And so, yes, there are many people that still don't feel safe to go into the office even when they open up. 
what this pandemic has taught us is we got to be flexible and adaptable and and really understand the needs of our employees and be there for them to support them in every way we can. I also tend to think that the phrase remote is getting more confusing in a hybrid world too. It kind of is a double meaning sometimes for fully remote, just working from home for the day. And as you said earlier, like a lot of this hybrid stuff, it's been going on for a while. Pretty much if you've been doing work from home, you've been doing hybrid just on a really slower timescale. Today, you've heard me say a lot of work from home. Um, I very sparingly use the word remote because we don't want to use that word remote anymore because of what you just said. It connotates that you're away from something. And even the word distributed has the connotation that you're distributed for some from something or somewhere. And so we really think about diversifying our locations and those that are work from home, they might be full-time or part-time. But again, when you're work from home, you're just work from home. It doesn't mean that you're remote from anything. You're every much a part of the company as the next person. By the time your children grow up, uh, do you think that offices will still be a thing? 100%. Um, I, I think um, for every company out there, the office serves a different purpose. And I think the term office could change, right? Because even the companies that um, are going fully remote or fully work from home, they still do things that uh, other companies do at the office. So social meetups, bringing everyone together, yeah, maybe they don't lease office space, but one purpose of a, a physical location for them is to bring their people together and you need physical space for that. So whether you call it an office or maybe in the future, it's just space. And <laughs> it's similar to our point about traditionally how sports stadiums were very purpose-built, but more and more sports stadiums, as an example, are becoming multi-purpose experience centers, right? So many of these locations now do multiple things. I think space is going to continue to evolve on that trajectory because Almost every company, I would I would venture to guess every company needs to bring their people together at certain intervals and you need space to do that. And so when my son's in college, um, he will likely still need to go to a space, a campus for certain things. And so I guess offices, more so space will always be needed, whether it's called office and what that purpose is for each company will change over time. You can follow Samir in Twitter, on Twitter. And you can find more information in the show notes. If you want to learn more about the work I'm doing, go to robinpower.com or follow us on Twitter too, I guess. I'm Zach Dunn. See you on the next episode of In the Works.